Hello, everybody. I'm back. It's been a while. It's been a long time, but I'm back with season two of the podcast. Slight changes, slight changes. We've got some new stories coming up. I've picked three new stories from the week, and I've just given you my views on them. So we're going to be talking about potential teacher strikes. We're going to talk about children going hungry, and we're going to talk about shrinking teachers. Teachers shrinking. Hmm. Anyway, that's all coming up. So if you're if I've piqued your interest there, keep listening. We're going to revisit some old blog posts that I wrote ages ago that I think need a little more love. This month, we're going to be looking at some teaching tips for behavior management. That's all coming up. So if you need some tips, keep listening. And finally, there's going to be some book recommendations. Cheap. It's either going to be cheap or free. That's what I like. That's what I want to give you. Cheap. I, I get sent literally hundreds of discounted books and I want to send those to you. So if you want direct links to any of these things, leave me a comment, hit me up on Twitter, send me an email, I don't mind, and I will send you the things. If not, just listen along and, and yeah, do, do what I recommend you to do. And we've got an extract from a fantastic book by an Australian author called Faye Beerling. So that's, that's released soon. You get a little cheeky extract. So that's all to come on Mr. M's Musings. Cue the music! With information into the world of education and tips on how to survive teaching, I'm Mr. M. These are my musings. And now a roundup of this week's news. The cost of living crisis is flexing its muscles and punching schools right in the gut. Literally. Sort of. According to Callum Mason from TES, schools are having to cut tens of thousands from their education budgets in order to meet the rising costs of meals for children. This naturally has a knock-on effect for parents, with school meals already costing an average of £47 per child per month, and the average family food bill increasing to around £460 a month and growing, this future is beginning to look very expensive indeed, especially if you have more than one child at school. All it takes is a pair of siblings and you're looking at the better part of £100 a month just for school meals. This is why many school leaders fear that pupils who are ineligible for free school meals will be priced out. But what happens then? The family food budget will either have to increase to accommodate packed lunches, or the children will be sent to school with whatever can be bought and prepared out of the existing food bill. Is that a bad thing? Many primary schools in the country sold off their in-house kitchens or converted them into classroom space, and are relying on reheated, pre-prepared food anyway. Could a parent-produced packed lunch be better, nutritionally speaking? I have reached out to a nutritionist, but she's yet to get back to me. I'll see what she has to say when she gets back to me. The obvious solution here is to increase the range of eligibility, for free school meals, something a Labour Party is looking into on top of offering free breakfast club places for every child under the age of 11. This is very noble, and Nick Clegg, remember him, did something very similar with children below the age of 7 not all that long ago in 2013. But it has knock-on effects. Funding for disadvantaged children is linked to their free school meal status, for example, a data point that is rendered meaningless if everyone is entitled to free school meals. And then there's the cost. Schools have already been told to increase staff pay after buying equipment to cope with COVID while simultaneously having their budget slashed. The way I see it, one of two things would happen if this were to go through. One, every child would eat a hot meal, but the amount of resources and levels of staff would decrease, resulting in a lower quality of overall education. The children would be nutritionally full, but academically starving. Or two, the staffing and education budget would remain the same and the food would be cheaper. And for cheaper, read substandard. So we'd have malnourished children. But what do you think? Is there an easy solution to this? No one could have predicted a global pandemic followed by a war resulting in a cost of living crisis that looks like it will rival the 70s. So I'm told I wasn't alive back then. But could things have been put in place before that that would have mitigated our current situation? 
are things as bad as they seem? Do children really need to eat all that much during the day? Let me know, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts. Half of school leaders back union strike. In other news, the Association of School and College Leaders are considering strike action. Now, don't get too excited. It'll probably come to nothing. This information is based on a survey in which 69% of those who responded suggested that they would consider industrial action. There's a lot of weakness in that statement. First of all, how many people responded to the survey? Well, we can look that up, and I did. It was 2,203. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Well, there are 32,028 schools registered in the UK. So 2,203 is a mere 7%, and I'm rounding up. So, while 7 in 10 head teachers have agreed to consider a strike, this is the voice of only 7 out of every 100 across the country. See how statistics can twist things? And it's not even that. 7 in 10 agreed to withdrawing from certain tasks, actions short of striking. Only 5 in 10 agreed to actually downing tools and walking out. And who can blame them? There's a cost of living crisis going on, and teachers have received a real-term loss in pay, as have many other professionals. And the pound is weaker than it has been for ages. You might not know this, I didn't when I had just started out and the NUT decided to strike, but when you go on strike, you don't get paid. And that strike back in 2008, what did it achieve? Nothing. Governments only care about schools when they're in opposition, because it plays well to the crowds. When they're in power, I don't care who they are or how they're affiliated, they can be right-wing, left-wing, chicken-wing, it doesn't matter. When they're in power, they couldn't care less about education for two reasons. One, generally speaking, teachers are vocational martyrs, sacrificing their own well-being for that of the children they teach. Two, education is a long game, and politics isn't. It takes at least seven years to see any kind of result from education reform. A government term is only five. It serves them no purpose to prioritise education unless they're clamouring for votes. So I don't think this strike is going to happen. At the very most, some schools, probably colleges and universities, will refuse to set homework for a week. But I could be wrong. Are you one of those who are balloted? Did you vote to strike? What would it take for you to forego payment for a week and make a stand? Let me know. I'm all ears. Teachers are shrinking! Not really, of course. That would be silly. No, it's the pool of potential teachers that is shrinking. And not just here in the UK. In America, the number of students completing a teacher training course has fallen by 29% over the past 10 years. Now over there, the theories behind this lack of qualified teachers include COVID-related changing, making the profession less enjoyable and more stressful, book bans and culture wars making teaching too political, a decline in respect for teachers in general making it an unappealing prospective career, salaries being too low, the barrier for entry being too high, and people simply not seeing teaching as a more viable option over computer science or business studies. But that's America though. What about here? Why are there fewer teachers qualifying over here? Well, that's a much clearer picture. The government have closed teacher training colleges and programs. 25% of them. That leaves fewer than 250 places where you can go to train to be a teacher. According to Tez.com, roughly a quarter of the teacher training market has effectively been shut down, leading to teacher deserts and, somewhat confusingly, educational cold spots. Far be it from me to criticise mixing a metaphor, but this is the sort of lit fuse that could snowball quickly. But don't panic. It's only the Midlands and the north of England that's in any real danger. The south is fine. And realistically, what do the north want with an education? They've got the mines. Oh wait. Kidding aside, what worries me is that the expert advisory group the people who suggest which teacher training facilities should be allowed to train are 75% Academy Trust high-ups. There's one CEO and two curriculum designers. They're also exclusively men. It just feels icky. 
I'm sure this recent cull of teacher training facilities has been conducted with nothing but the benefit of the children in mind. I'm sure it's got nothing to do with pushing the government's agenda for every school to be a CEO-controlled, massive multi-academy trust, where education is second only to the mighty pound. <laughs> it wouldn't be that, would it? It's bound to be about levelling up. Well, that's it for the news roundup. If you know a story that I've missed, let me know. If you think I've got the wrong end of the stick about any of these issues, let me know. If you like this new approach, sort of a news digest, let me know. Basically, speak to me, please. It gets lonely in this booth. Anyway, that's the news. I've been Mr. M. Right, series two. Another thing I'm keen to do for series two is to bring back old blog posts that I think aren't getting enough love. So with that in mind, we're gonna go all the way back to something I wrote on the 18th of July, 2019, the before times. This blog post has been read about 348 views, but I, I think it's, it deserves more than that. It deserves more. The blog post in question is called Tips for Teaching for Next September. I wasn't very good at writing titles back then. And it's from 2019. Did I say that? I'm I'm editing, I'm re-recording. I may have said that already. Anyway, 2019, tips for teachers for next September. And it's a list of behavior management strategies, which obviously are going to be great whenever. It's it's good to have different behavior management strategies because one can get a bit stale. Obviously, if you've got one that works all the time without fail, go with it. But it's nice to mix it up a little bit sometimes. So I'll go through the list of what I've described and then I will hit upon two that I think are particularly useful. I've used all of these. I know they work. Some of them I like more than others, but they've all worked for me. So first of all, we have call and respond. Then we have writing positive names on the board. Only positive, never negative. Using points. Showing, not telling. Things like how to be quiet. Using a behavior chart. Now, I cannot recommend a behavior chart enough. Make sure it's not just about negative behavior. You have to display the positive behavior as well. That one I would read out, but it's very long. Go back to the blog. Just do a search on mrmsmusings.com for behavior strategies or tips for September. It'll come up. Email me and I will send you the behavior chart that I use. It's amazing. The kids love it. I love it. My TAs have all loved it. And it's really controlled behavior. So, yeah, I'll give you that for free. It's fine. Um, using mascots is very good. Checking for understanding, that's very good. We've got being positive and confident and consistent. And then we've got the two that I'm gonna read out to you. We've got, the first one is magician's choices. Now, children love to feel like they've contributed to a lesson in some way. After all, it's their classroom, their learning experience, and you are their teacher. So it's only fair that they have some say in what goes on. With this in mind then, it can be beneficial for you to ask what they would like to explore next. Then give them a choice of two things both of which you intend to cover anyway. And this is known as a magician's choice because it comes from card tricks that involve the illusion of choice. And that's what you're gonna create for these children. The illusion of choice, the illusion of control. Let's take a math lesson, for example. Let's say you've just finished a unit on addition and subtraction. Now, you know that following this, you're going to teach multiplication and division and you've planned for multiplication. That's what you've planned. You've got that sorted already, and that's great. But you're going to say to the children, right, kids, what do you want to learn next? Multiplication or division? Now, you know you're going to teach multiplication. That doesn't matter. It's not going to change. You want to give them the illusion of choice. So they choose, and democratically, let's say that the fates are not on your side, and the children say, we want to learn about division. That's fine. It's a magician's choice. They haven't actually had choice. They've had the illusion of choice. So you say to them, okay, great. I want to teach division as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep that for next time. So we've got something to look forward to. And we'll get rid of multiplication from next week. 
great stuff. You're still teaching what you intended to teach, but now the children think that they have influenced your decision. Everybody's happy. Now, what if they turn around and say, actually, we would like to learn about multiplication? Well, brilliant. You just agree with them. So, yeah, so do I. Great. Okay, fine. The one that I want to teach next, that's what we're going to teach next because that's your choice. That's what we're going to do. So that's a magician's choice. It really does work. It sounds quite obvious and easy to see through, but it works. And it doesn't just work on children either. It works on adults as well. Give them a choice of two things, and the one if they choose the one you don't want, that's the one you're going to remove. It's, it's so simple. By the way, a little thing about choices and psychology of choice. The thing that you... If, if you want to influence people to choose a particular thing, put that particular thing at the end of the list of choices. For some reason, that's usually the one that gets gets chosen. So that's that's a magician's choice. I use that a lot, and it's really really helpful. The next one, I love this. I got this from an inset day where I one of those fantastic inset days where I had to go to a different school, and I think it was lots of different schools. And we went to like this beautiful theatre thing. But anyway, it was run by this amazing person. I can't remember their name, but he demonstrated this without even introducing it. And it's clap once if you can hear me, clap twice if you're listening, clap three times if you're ready. Now, I hate clapping a rhythm. I can't stand that. Clap, 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 clap. Hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. It's on the list, but I hate it. This is different. This is different. And it makes you look like the child whisperer if you're out on a trip. So what, you just stand there in front of the class or on the train or on the bus or wherever you are, and you say nice and calmly, you don't raise your voice, you say nice and calmly, Year six, year four, whoever you are, children, clap once if you can hear me. And people will clap. Not the entire class, no. Maybe six or seven of them, they will clap. But their clap alerts the others. And then you say, clap twice if you're listening. And then pretty much the rest of the class will clap twice because the ones that weren't listening, first of all, have been alerted by the clap of the ones who weren't listening. And then finally, you bring it on home by saying, clap three times if you're ready. Everybody claps three times. You haven't had to raise your voice. It is absolutely amazing. It works in assemblies really, really well. And you look so calm and collected. Like I said, it works on public transport. I've used it in the zoo. In the zoo. All right, I had my class and another class. What, not even from my school. Clap once if you can hear me. Clap, clap twice if you're listening. Kids from different schools clapped. It was brilliant. I love it. And I give that to you. So yeah, some tips for teachers for next September, all the way back in June. Let me make sure I'm not lying to you. I'm sure it was June. Where are we? Come on. Where's it gone? I can't even find it. All the way back to June. So here we go. Yeah, July. I was lying to you. 18th of July, 2019. Go to com, the blog post site, and just search for July 2019 or tips for teachers. It will come up. So that was the blog post that needs a little more love. It's on 348 at the moment. I'll be checking next week. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell the dog. I don't care. Get people to look at it. Something else I'm keen to do this series is call out some of the book deals that I get sent and I think you guys should know about. So I'll go through some of the children's books and then some of the adults' books and then I've got a really nice treat coming up. So let's dive straight in with the children's book. Now these are all ebook deals, so you'll need a Kindle or some sort of e-reader. If you've got an iPad, you can download the Kindle app for free. Amazon Kindles go on sale all the time. Black Friday is coming up soon, so they'll be even cheaper. I totally recommend it. So anyway, here we go. 
First up, we've got News and Nachos by Carly Winter. Reporter Tilly Bordeaux sets out to catch a killer when the owner of a local Mexican restaurant is murdered, and Tilly's best friend is named as the prime suspect. It's a tasty, cosy mystery, and it's yours for only 99 pence. Fantastic. Next up, we have My Tiny Pet Elephant by Jessica Daly and Gabby Correa? Correa. Correa. By Jessica and Gabby. What would life be like with a tiny pet elephant by your side? This playful picture book takes the little ones on an adorable adventure of the imagination, filled with vivid illustrations, fun animal facts, and interactive exercises. And hey, guess what? It was £8.63. For the next few days, it's free. Free. Fantastic stuff. Next up, we've got three books. Three books for 99 pence. It used to be 9.99. That's like a 99% reduction. A lot of nines going on. It's the Druid Air books, one to three, by N.Z. Nazar. Now, these names today are difficult. Anyway, having hit the middle age, Alicia is ready for a change, but she has no idea what's in store for her when she learns the supernatural secret her family has been hiding. This thrilling collection is full of magic, monsters, and a whole lot of saving the world. If you like Skullduggery Pleasant, if you like Harry Potter, if you've got 99p to spare, get these three books. All these deals, by the way, are going to disappear in about a week's time, so you've got to grab them quickly. Next up, It's a Wonderful Death by Sarah J. Schmidt, a name I can pronounce. Now, reviews have called this book funny, fun, and full of life. When she's accidentally killed by a grim reaper, RJ must revisit three pivotal moments in her past to earn her way back to the land of the living. Danielle Lesson from USA Today, who's a best-selling author, has said it had her both laughing out loud and weeping into the pages. It was delightful. This is one I'm going to check out. It's $1.99 for a limited time on your Kindle. Next up, more young adult fiction. We've got Fury Frayed by Melissa Hag. Hag. After being kicked out of several schools, Megan starts a new academy in a town full of misfit supernaturals. But when she becomes a suspect in a slew of human killings, she must clear her name by embracing who she really is. Yeah, you know, it's that YA genre of, uh, of supernatural beings. But it, it looks fun. And it's free, by the way. Did I mention that? It's free. Okay, fantasy book for you now by E.J. Wenstrom. Mud. Adam, a golem, has spent his life at the mercy of his master's simple command. Protect a mysterious box. But when a pure-hearted young boy and his sister happen upon his temple, he finds a new mission in keeping them safe from harm. A clever series starter. And it's only 99p. I've got another uh, box set for you now. Max and the Multiverse box set, books one to three by Zachary Wheeler. It's only 99p. Again, it was a tenner. Now it's 99p on your Kindle. Max is an ordinary teenager spending spring break alone. But when his entire world goes haywire, he finds himself on an advanced Earth where space travel is the norm and soon embarks on a journey through the cosmos with a talking cat. And that sounds like fun. 99p, three books. Why not? Let's see. Oh, uh, we're going to skip a few here. Um, we've got a Ruth Rendell mystery, A Demon in My View. That's 99p. The 13th Assassin by Frank Malley, a murder mystery and spy thriller. That's 99p. The Bachelorette Party, Six Women, One Body. In New Orleans, six women gather for a bachelorette party and one fateful game of truth or dare. Only five of them will live through the weekend. A page-turning new thriller from a best-selling author and it's 99p. Look at this. She dies tonight. Murder at Royal Botanic Gardens. There's loads. There's absolutely loads. But I must, must, must talk about this fantastic author, Australian author, called Faye Beerling. Now, Faye sent me a delightful email, out of the blue, completely out of the blue, um, just saying hi. She and I um, share an opinion of David Walliam's books, which 
I think has been a podcast and it's definitely a blog. So check out mrmsmusings.com to get the backstory on that. But anyway, Faye and I have, have been chatting and she's a published author. She sent me um, an advanced copy of her new book, Newsreader Norris. Uh, an extract from her new book, Newsreader Norris. It's going to be part of a collection of short stories. But it's it's a really cute little book. The story's really nice. I had a read of it. Um, it's aimed at younger children. I would say mm, six to eight-year-olds, maybe. There's educational value. There's a lot of alliteration. Um, the bunting was up and the buckets were upside down as children patted them in space. But it's very... It's a pleasant read. Children could read it themselves. You could read it to them and you can use it really, really well for guided reading, I would say. About a guy called Norris, who's a newsreader. Here's, here's an extract. I'm sure she won't mind if I read you an extract of it. And get all the alliteration that you could use. And you know. Norris was not nice. He was greedy and selfish, and his ego was enormous. He was a supersized show-off, and he loved to see himself on the small screen. One day, he hoped to see himself on the big screen, too. Off-screen, the people loved him. He was popular with the public, and they called him Nice Norris, the number one newsreader. But back in Studio 7, Nice Norris was not nice. He was known as Not Nice Norris, the newsreader, who stole stories from his roving reporters and read them out on television, passing them off as his own. He had even won awards for other people's writing. That's not what I'm... I've never won awards. I'm just reading other people's writing. So, uh, Newsreader Norris, it's a really fun little story. The chapters aren't huge, so they'll be great for bedtime reading if, if you wanted to give it to a wee one at home. And it is part of... Here we go. Here we go. She's written a story called Little Wings in 2016. This is Faye, which um, has done really, really well in her home town, home country, sorry, of Australia. I'm, I'm yet to check it out. But they use it for history a lot, which is great. Twisty Tales, that's the name of the book. Twisty Tales. And she was fantastic enough to send me a copy of Twisty Tales. And I've been reading it and I have been enjoying it. I've been using this. My little boy is only six months old. So we can get through a couple of pages before he starts to get a bit wriggly. But he's enjoying these stories. We've got Dinner Lady Doris, which is just charming. It's funny. You know those kind of books where you, you read it and you giggle and you can't help but giggle. And it's a bit of a giggle, bit of a groan, but the kids love it. Um, we've got The Miserable Headmaster, which starts with Frying Pan. Mr. Jolly was the headmaster at Teach Him Well Junior High. And even though he was called Mr. Jolly, he was not very jolly at all. In fact, he was downright miserable. These are fantastic exercises in how to open up a story and how to use words to subvert readers' expectations. They're easily readable, but that doesn't mean they're not infinitely mineable for teachable moments. So this is Faye Beerling. Hopefully, at some point, I'm going to actually speak to Faye. So Faye, if you're listening, thank you very much. I'm enjoying your stories and I desperately, desperately want to jump on a Zoom call with you, have an interview, because that sounds like fun. But yeah, check that out. Now, if free is your favourite price, then we are kindred spirits. But also, if free is your favourite price, and if you have a library card, and you live in the UK, if you don't have a library card, it's easy to get. Go to your local library, take some ID, get a library card. You can download the app BorrowBox. BorrowBox is the library's app where you can borrow ebooks and audiobooks for free. I'm going to say that again. Free. It will cost you nothing but a couple of clicks. I've been using it recently with my six-month-old. They've got lots of books, uh, audiobooks of very, very young children, uh, like narrated, but like guess how much I love you, that kind of thing. They've got nursery rhymes. 
And while I've been playing with him downstairs, we've been having that on in the background, just so he can hear somebody else's voice, get him used to, you know, a little bit of busyness in the room. But he's been really enjoying it. And so have I. I heard a fantastic story about a, a Russian bear in the woods pretending to eat. Anyway, I don't want to give give the game away. I don't think he's intentionally Russian. I think the person just read it as Russian. Um, but it's a fun, fun thing. And it was completely free. So if you want to read a book like uh, Midnight Sun, the Twilight alternate, it's from the vampire's point of view. I wanted to read that because I was curious, but I didn't want to read it. So I listened to it on the audiobook. I didn't want to pay 30 quid for it or take out an Audible subscription. So I used BorrowBox and I got it for free. It took me a week at 1.5 speed, but I got through the whole book. I did the same with Moby Dick because I figured that was a book I should have read, but I didn't want to sit down and read it. So I had it read to me for free. BorrowBox. It's available on Android, iOS, Download it, check it out, it's fantastic. Not only that, if you're more of a magazine kind of person, through BorrowBox and your library card, you can sign up for Press Reader, which is another fantastic free app. And through the library, you can get newspapers from all around the world. Now, you won't get them on the day of release. You will have to wait, so you'll be a day behind the news. But honestly, it's free, do you mind? Not only newspapers, though, from all around the world, we're talking Wall Street Journal all the way up to the sun, or down to the sun, I suppose, but you can also get magazines, magazines for free. Things like T3 and Total Film and um, like Woman's Own and Us Weekly for free, for free people. So definitely, definitely get yourself a library card, check out BorrowBox, check out Press Reader if you're interested in books at all. And also check out FR Beerling's books if you have children or you are working in Maybe lower key stage two or key stage one. That brings us to the end of this month's somewhat rambling book review. And also to the end of this month's podcast. The sound might be a little bit dodgy. I'm still, still trying to get those levels ready. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a lot easier for me this way to chop it up into different chunks. Maybe you hated it. I hope you liked it. Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening and I will catch you next time. Mr. M's Musings, the podcast, was written and edited by Carl Hedley Morris. The music is Busy City by Track Tribe. If you like what you've heard, please let me know by leaving a rating or dropping me a comment in Twitter. Similar content can be found at www.mrmsmusings.com and you can hire Mr. M to tutor your child or speak at your school. Head over to www.igniteeducation.co.uk or email info at igniteeducation.co.uk for more information. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next time.